Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver with your host, Chris Garrell. Join us each week as we explore how to live a life by design by applying the tools and techniques of emotional intelligence and personal transformation. Here's Chris. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Dream, Declare, Deliver, um, the Learning to Feel segment, as, as I described um, in, in our uh, first session, um, where what we're going into in, in this part of, you know, the experience of life and experience of trying to create a life worth living, we're really delving into the whole aspect of our emotions, our feelings, our emotions, our, our thoughts that go around those, our beliefs that are the sub, you know, belief system beneath all that. We're going to get into all of that and, and take that apart. Um, before I start though, I'm, I'm, I have to recall that I've been asked by several people, what's the meaning of the, um, the tapestry that I have behind me with the Chinese calligraphy on it. Um, and it's something from the I Ching. Um, each of those symbols refers to a different thing. Uh, the first one refers to, um, great greatness. Um, I actually have to look at my cue notes here because I'm not, um, I'm not entirely certain. I don't read Chinese. Um, but the first one refers to, to great, like as in big, huge, um, uh, immense things, you know, um, like the world is great. The world is, 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 is big. Um, the second um, symbol, um, refers to virtues, um, morals, our standards, our ways of being. The third character, um, is about carrying, um, um, holding on to, uh, bearing the weight of, uh, and, um, and, you know, being able to, to handle. And the last one is everything. Um, it's, um, uh, it could be the world. It could be thing in general, things in general, um, uh, or, uh, you know, great things. And when they're put together, the phrase actually states that great virtue carries everything. Great virtue is the quality of the leader that, um, is able to handle even the greatest and the biggest and the hardest of, of things. So it's a really a call to step up morally in, in our lives and, um, and be that great leader. Um, so I just wanted to, to, uh, start off by, by giving a little bit of my, my background here. Um, what's, what's in the background behind me, um, as, as part of this session. So today I'm just going to do something pretty simple. I don't know how long it'll, it'll go, but I want to distinguish between feelings and emotions. Um, and that's not a, a simple thing to do. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff written about, uh, feelings and emotions and, uh, in, 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 in popular literature, a lot of times those are used interchangeably, but I want to, I want to differentiate. Um, so emotions are these complex, multi-layered, multi-factored 
um, responses that occur inside of us uh, to stimuli or events or, you know, last time I talked about we're reaction machines, you know, in reaction to something that's going on as our brain checks into its, its memory banks to see what is it that's there that could give meaning to what just happened. So our emotions are these, these response bodies, these, these things that happen inside of us, um, that are, um, you know, considered relatively brief, um, but pretty intense things that, that, that occur that are triggered by our thoughts and our beliefs. Um, and, and you might ask, you know, how do our thoughts and our beliefs get there? They get there because of our experience. So as we go through life from, from before we're born, um, you know, we experience in the womb, even the care of our mother, or if our mother is in, in trauma or anxious or whatever, the fetus actually experiences that too and can come out, you know, uh, colicky or nervous or whatever. Um, you know, we're already perceiving and our brain's already perceiving what's going on around us. But by the time we're born, uh, that kicks into high gear. And so uh, our brains are collecting data all the time and storing that as memory, storing that as experiences that we've had. Um, those experiences over time build up. They they form piles. I got a stack of these things here that the world has hurt me, that the world has been mean to me. And so all of a sudden I have a belief perhaps that the world is a dangerous place, you know. Other person might say, you know, the world has been wonderful. My parents are just loving and, and care for me. They take care of me all the time. Uh, my siblings are, are, you know, close and tight with me. My neighbors are, are fun. They often will, you know, see me playing outside and, and, and so on and so forth. And so that person ends up with a belief that the world is this loving place. You know, our beliefs get in place by those experiences. Then those beliefs become the filter through which we perceive all the other experiences to come. So we start into this um, confirmation bias, if you will, that we have a belief system that's already in place. And as new things happen, as new experiences come on us, that we, we filter those experiences through what we assume the world to be like, assume our parents to be like, assume our friends to be like, assume us to be like. We have thoughts about ourselves. We We've learned what we can and can't do. You know, if you grew up a small, skinny little kid um, and was picked on by other people, you would have one experience of who you are. If you grew up a big, strong person, athletically inclined to whatever, you have a different kind of view of who you are and and what your uh, what your gifts are or aren't. Um, so all of those things are part of our meaning-making system, and the emotions are the reaction to those complex reactions to the the experience of physiological changes around us, environmental changes around us, experiences that we're actually having um, while we're going through life. And the emotion is something that we um that that we naturally do you know we all psychologists seem to agree that emotions are natural um it's what we do with them that really differentiates us one from another um but l- let's leave it at that emotions can be kind of categorized in as as 
two different kinds of emotions. There are primary emotions such as, you know, fear, anger, hunger, you know, joy, sadness, um, uh, whatever, repulsion. Um, and, and those primary emotions are kind of considered by most of the field of psychology to be universal, to be something that, you know, whether you're Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Australian, German, American, whatever, um, we all experience those kinds of emotions. Um, secondary emotions, on the other hand, are, are a little bit, um, more complex and arise from, you know, come out of our interpretation process. Um, they come out of, um, for example, they may be a derivation of, um, one of the other primary emotions. Um, you, you can think, for example, of jealousy being a combination of maybe anger, uh, fear, um, worthlessness, um, sadness, self-image, you know, and, uh, and, and so we experience this emotion, um, that's a secondary emotion that comes out of some of the, um, the other emotions that might be sitting inside of us, um, on a regular basis. Um, so, so we have emotions. We'll come back to that in a second, but emotions are these complex, multifaceted, um, responses to life. All right. Now let's talk about feelings. Feelings, on the other hand, are the experience of the emotion. Um, they're the experience of what's going on inside of us as we go through that appraisal or that evaluate, evaluation of what's going on. You know, so we have our primary reaction, our primary and secondary emotions, and then we have a somatic experience. There's a bodily sense of something going on. Take, for example, um, the emotion fear. You know, what we experience as feelings when we have the emotion fear is our pulse races, um, our breathing gets shallow and rapid. Um, you know, we, we, uh, get cold, clammy hands because our blood is concentrated into the central organs of our body and we don't get as much, um, out to our hands and feet. So we get cold hands and feet. Um, maybe even clamminess, sweatiness, and things like that as certain systems, autonomic systems are fired up by that emotion. And we experience the feelings, um, that are associated with fear, um, as those, those bodily sensations. So, you know, so, uh, um, you know, think of love, for example, another, uh, another good one to think of. Um, love is this, oh boy, I don't even want to get into it. It's so complex. There are so many factors of what we experience in, in that emotion. Um, you know, but the feelings that we have could range anywhere from lusting for the desired um, person or object, uh, to, um, a, a reverence and a revering of that person, you know, honoring them and, and idolizing them or, or something like that. So our feelings then become our, our heart throbbing, um, our, our face flushing, um, our temperature rising, our hands getting warmer. 
um, you know, because we're not in fear of that. We're actually attracted to to the person that we love or the situation that we love or the uh, experience that we're having that is is a loving experience. Um, so all of those things turn on different physiological responses. What we mostly go through life experiencing or noting is our feelings. We are aware of our feelings. We're not as aware of our emotions. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, you know, one of the things that we're really talking about is trying to get in touch with what's the emotion that those somatic bodily sensations, those feelings are coming from. Um, are they coming from um, a, a, an emotion called um, disgust? Are they coming from an emotion called anger? Are they coming from an emotional uh, emotion called love or compassion or or gratitude or, or you know where are they coming from? So what we use in emotional intelligence in training people to become much more emotionally cognizant is that we pay attention to our feelings. All right. Uh, we pay attention to what's going on in our bodies so that we can get a sense of what's the real emotion that we're feeling. Right. So let's say, for example, um, in fear, you know, fear tells us to run away. You know, so uh, part of our fear response, the fight, flight or freeze response that we have when fear is the emotion, the, the fight, flight, freeze are the feelings that we get. Um, we want to run away from it. We want to get to safety. We want to do something um, to, you know, to to take care of ourselves because that emotion is causing these reactions. So so they're really interlocked feelings and emotions, but I want to try to pull them apart because helping us, if we start looking at what is it that I'm running away from, I can get to what the emotion is. Oh, that's a fear. But then here's the big part. Then is there's a thought or a belief system that's already in place that's behind the fear emotion, you know, Panic in my body, upsetness, tightness of muscles, um, perspiration, shallow, rapid breath, um, ready to fight. Uh, all of those kinds of things are, are my feelings. Oh, I'm in fear. What is the belief then that's behind my fear? You know, and we can port back to the world is a safe place. The world is a, a scary place. We can port back to, um, well, let's see, we, 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 we see a, a tiger or a lion approaching us or some, you know, some vicious beast approaching us. You know, we can go back to a, a place where we say, Oh, those are mean, you know, nasty animals. I could be, I could be their prey, you know, um, and, and so there's a belief system there. Um, I always marvel at this, this guy who posts videos on uh, Facebook or, you know, TikTok or, or one of, one of the social medias. Um, a guy who trained, uh, you know, and, and, and nursed a, a small lion cub to health, um, when it was, was young. They released it to the, uh, to the wild again. And then 10 years later, he goes back and, um, this huge, um, alpha male lion comes charging out of the bush towards him. 
um, recognizes him and just leaps up and puts his arms around his forearms around the guy, hugs him, licks him. And it's a joyous video. Now, if you and I were in that situation, we'd see that lion coming and we would beat feet out of there as fast as possible to get to protection because, you know, we have a belief that that lion's going to hurt us or harm us. Um, whereas this guy knew the line, he knew its territory and he was aware of it and he trusted that he would recognize his smell and all that kind of stuff so that he stood there without fear. You know, two situations, you and I would be in one situation, one set of uh, emotions and feelings, and he's in a different set. So it's that's not universal. Feelings are not universal. Um, we have different responses based on our heritage, based on our experience, and based on our belief systems behind them. You know, so um, you know, feelings are are almost autonomic. I, I think is a word that would be you know, like they're they're almost as programmed as a a puff of air in your eye makes your eye blink. Um, our our feelings when we have an emotion, those feelings are almost that that knee jerk reaction that we have, and so it's really difficult to separate the feeling from the emotion. But it's helpful because it gives us a clue as to what's really going on and which way we then in, interpret um, the emotions. Back to emotions, and this is what we're really going to talk about is learning in, in learning to feel is, um, you know, the emotions are what are going to give us, you know, more insight into ourselves and what we're really trying to, to understand about ourselves so that we can build that life that we want uh, in, in the future. So the, when, we, when we come from feelings back to emotions, back to beliefs and thoughts, um, we're able to really dissect what's going on. Um, later on in another episode, I'm going to talk about warrior training. And a lot of people think that warriors were trained to suppress their emotions. That's not the truth. Um, in fact, warriors are trained through mindfulness to be present to their emotions because there's so much information there. You know, if we look at what's the difference, for example, between um, anger and frustration, those are two different emotions. They're going to be experienced as feelings in a very similar kind of way. Think about that for a second. If you're frustrated with something, your your upset level, your, your your body, you know, tends to get up and charged and and ready to do battle with something. Um, likewise, if you're angry at something, anger is an emotion that says whatever just happened was wrong, and I need to fix that. Right? Frustration is an emotion that says. Um, things are not going the way I anticipated or wanted to go. And I need to look at what's the possible source of that or how do I rectify that? Um, so, so we, you know, we can do some fine tuning by knowing which of those two, uh, emotions is behind the, the feeling of wanting to do something to fix it. Right. Frustration or anger. Um, those, however, are two completely different sources in the belief world. Um, because, because if you're thinking of frustration, frustration comes out of my expectations. I remember the brain's job is to project into the future 
from its past experience. So everything that we perceive right now goes through that referral process and then projection into the future. That happens all the time. And even when we're not, you know, in a direct experience of something, your brain is already forecasted. It's already projected into the next moment. And so we walk around with a set of expectations all the time. You know, it's very rare and you have to be a master at, at mindfulness to not be walking with your expert expectations already in place. So, you know, so when things don't go according to plan, you know, I read this wonderful example of how we know that happens. Um, you know, when things don't go a- according to our expectations, you know, we have to adjust to that. And so that throws us for a little loop. You know, those are kind of frustrations and stuff. I'll give you an example of how this works in, in daily life. Um, you know, the, the moving sidewalks at the airport, um, they get you from, you know, from one, uh, terminal to the other end or one really long terminal. I'm thinking of O'Hara or, um, DIA, um, in, in, De- um, Denver. You know, there's these long traverses that you have to make. Um, and so that you, you step on the moving sidewalk. Now your walk, I always walk on those sidewalks because it's fun to go a little bit faster than people who are walking beside me on the regular pavement. And, and so your brain knows that you're on a moving sidewalk, you know, or a moving floor. And it knows that when it comes to an end, it's going to have an adjustment to make. But it's always wrong. <laughs> you know, um, I always eat no matter how much I anticipate, I'm going to have to walk a little faster there. It catches me, you know, because my brain's not entirely accurate at projecting into the expectation world. It it makes up stuff and it, it makes projections, but there's this there's a kind of a dissonance between discord between um what it projects and and what actually happens. So we have this little that happens at the end when we when we step off the moving sidewalk and onto solid ground again, where we expected to have to change our pace, but the change was different than what we expected. Um, that's kind of what happens in a great big sense in terms of our expectations and our frustrations. So frustration is an experience of the difference between what we expected and what's really happening, right? Anger is a different emotion. Anger is as I said, is, is something just happened that to you or to another person, you know, cause anger can happen about somebody seeing somebody be victimized in front of you and your body's reaction is that's not right. That's, that's wrong. That's bad. And so we get an, an emotion called anger, which is, I need to fix that. I need to write that wrong. There's a wrong that's been done. It needs to be righted. This, you know, it can't go on this way. Now, put that into the context of our belief system. The world is fair. The world is not fair. The world is ambivalent. Doesn't give a damn whether you like it or not. It just is. It's going to flow its rivers. It's going to have its forest fires. It's going to do all those things. And it really doesn't give a crap what you think. Um, you know, whatever your belief system is about the world, the universe and things around you, um, when something is wronged when something is violated 
um, that reaction is different than when you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen the way you expected it. So um, the differentiation between anger and and frustration is gets clear as you deep dive into the backdrop behind your emotions and your feelings, right? So today, you know, I just really wanted to to uh, get into those distinctions um, about you know feelings and emotions, um, and um, I, you know there there are. There's a lot of psychological theory that goes around this and, and, and the world is, is kind of divided. There's, you know, long time ago, William James, kind of the father of modern psychology, um, said that all of the, you know, all emotions come from physiological charges or physiological changes, you know, things that we experience in our body. Um, you know, so he felt that uh, it was the other way around, that the feelings were the source of the emotion. You know, um, then later on, you know, they, they turned around the other way that the emotions are the source of the feelings of the physio, physiological response. And, um, and that theory, um, lived for a while. Then, you know, I, I don't know who it was came along after that, um, uh, who suggested the two theory. The two-factor theory that um, it's a combination of both the physiological arousal and the belief and mindset that goes on inside of that. Um, and um, and then I think later later on, you know, um, what we've come to in modern psychology is what I propose, which is that feelings exist and emotions exist. They're part of our human anatomy and physiology, and that what we can use them for is more of an appraisal of our world, an appraisal of ourselves, and an introspective. Um, tool than to worry about is this the, you know, is it a chicken or an egg, um, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I didn't want to get into like a lot of theory on that, but, but the whole point is that, that emotions and feelings have been debated. Well, William James was around in the, late 1800s, 1890, 1880, somewhere in that area. Um, so for at least, you know, a hundred plus years, you know, we've been debating what's the difference between feelings and emotions. So it's not something that is, um, clearly defined by anybody by the field of psychology, but it is something that we get to be aware of as we're looking at learning to feel and learning to experience our emotions um, in a way that we can use our emotions. The whole purpose of learning to feel, um, getting out of that numbness that we've been beaten into in modern society, the whole purpose of regaining our emotional being and our, and our ability to feel and, and emote is so that we have more control over our behaviors, so that we have a better chance to understand where we're going um, and how to get there and what will what will support us in getting there. So, um, so I'm going to wrap it up right there, uh, and just, just talk briefly, um, you know, just about these, this distinction of feeling and, and emoting. I hope that doesn't, um, land as too, um, much, too much ado about nothing, um, as the bard said, but, but really, um, you know, helping us to understand when we're using those terms, feelings and emotions that, 
um, that there is a slight difference or a big difference, depending on which theory you, you follow. There is a difference between those those two um, words. And I'll be using them not interchangeably, but I'll be using them as the source language for when we talk about how do we how do we understand what's going on inside of ourselves so that we can harness our emotions and our, our emotional body, our emotional being in a way that helps us move forward in a way that helps us be better um, uh, respond, responding to other people um, and, and more trusting of what they say about what their experience is experiencing as well. So thank you so much. Um, uh, we're going to continue down this path a little bit. I have um, lined up a couple of speakers to, to interview um, that will help us look at things like cross-cultural emotionality. Um, how does it differ from, from one culture to another? Um, while these things are universal, absolutely. I mean, we're all humans. We, we, we laugh when we're happy and we cry when we're sad. But what makes us happy and what makes us sad? What makes us anger, uh, angry or frustrated or, um, in love or things like that is different because of the language and the culture that we grew up in. So um, we'll get into into that one. I have a couple people uh, lined up to talk about other uh, other parts of that. A psychologist who's a good friend of mine um, who works with corporate um, uh, corporate leaders. Um, she calls herself a, a corporate psychologist um, and, and uh and sometimes I refer to her as a corporate shaman because she really does bring uh, the tools of emotionality into the, the boardroom and allows people to, to work with that. So um, we have some some good places to go yet. Uh, and I invite you to uh, to come back and look at the next uh, set of, of talks on learning to feel. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. 